Why do brands talk about themselves more than they think about the customers or candidates? It's an important question, in particular for the world of employer branding. In this episode, I chat with James Ellis. James is author of Talent Chooses You, Hire Better with Employer Branding, and he's a self-confessed employer brand nerd. While reading his book, a particular chapter made me want to get in touch with him and get him on the pod. Narcissistic brands is an issue in marketing, and it gets in the way of great marketing. We talk about the common mistakes brands make in their quest for attention and sales or hires, and what brands can do to be more focused on the people they want to engage with. Let's get on with the chat. Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. Um, I'm in, uh, currently in London. I had to talk about the weather because I'm, I'm English and it's you know, a little bit cloudy. Summer, I think, has gone for until next year. Um, oh, yeah, that's nice. probably worth waiting for, I think. It's when we can travel around the world. Uh, you're in Chicago, aren't you? I am in Chicago and I also am obligated to talk about the weather because that's the other thing. We, we where yeah. London is always, yeah, it's a different kind of model. Our weather does this now. So it's like we had three days of brutal summer and now it's going to be like, pleasant and then we'll have three more days of brutal summer so yeah we're in the pleasant mode but it won't last long no, we, we can't take those extremes in this country oh. not at all not at all but, um yeah so thanks thanks for joining no no you're busy but um i thought you know see see a lot of your content on linkedin and have been you know engaging in it and it's particularly with the you know your talent chooses you book high better with employer branding um and it was fantastic to see you made it open source on Google Docs. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. You know, and something that I think stood out for me, which would be good to talk about for this episode, because it really resonated with me, is, is you saying, you know, companies are the worst kind of narcissists, with huge teams of people devoted to taking any line of information or inquiry and turning it back to the company's perspective. So I thought I've got to talk to James about that. So before we before we talk about that, let's. Um, Let's just do a bit of an intro into yourself and, and tell us a bit about the book. Sure. Uh, so uh, I, I'm James Ellis. I am an employer brand nerd. I am I am obsessed with employer brand. I've been this way for about seven years now. I've done agency work and in-house work and consulting work and sales work. I've done kind of all perspectives on it. I just adore it. I just love employer brand. Um, and one of the things that is happening, and it's interesting talking to someone on their side of the pond, where employer brand has been near codified to within an inch of its life. I mean, you guys invented it. Thanks, Simon. And um, we're stealing and cribbing from you, perfectly, to be perfectly blunt. And as we translate it over, much like in the same way that we had the blues and you turned into the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and we went, aha, let me tell you, let me tell you where that can go. We're doing back and forth game with employer brand. And it's our turn to kind of say, how far can we push this? What is really going yeah. on? And so there's this huge influx of new people suddenly saying, oh, I'm an employer brander too. And to be perfectly blunt, half of them are recruiters who can spell marketing and half of them are marketers who think recruiting is easy and they're both mm -hmm. wrong. And mm -hmm. they're kind of rethinking and re-arguing and relitigating the baseline of what employer brand is. And the rest of us who've been doing it for a bit are like up here going, come on, folks, let's just kind of, uh, you know, stop littering the space with dumb questions about benchmarks and green or you know glass door or you know whatever the you know the baseline stuff is and there's there's more interesting conversations to be had up here and i was so sick of this baseline conversation I said look the reason there it's that way is because no one's really documented modern employer brand from a function with architecture and thought process behind it and, and more of a philosophy book that this is how to approach these problems and so all i did was document the thing and say this is how i kind of walk in the door every day and it was never meant to be a, I'm the genius, all hail me, but more to say, look, 
If you're down here trying to refigure stuff out, read the book, jump up here, and now let's have better conversations because there's still so much to be worked out and figured out and sorted out and, and argued and discussed. And if we can't do that, if we're all down here arguing about the dumb stuff. So let's yeah. level up, to, you know, let's stop having the conversation of the inner, you know, what is culture? Right. Too many times we talk about strategy or culture as if we all know what the same term is and we're talking about very different things. Hmm. Let's nail things down. Let's focus these things. And I and having written the book and published it and it kind of did what it had to do, it made its money back, um, which is great. I was I was really impressed. I really I was kind of half going. Yeah, no one's going to buy it. It's going to be my mom. Right. That's the only person who's going to buy this thing. <laughs> um, it sold a couple thousand copies and it made its, its, its money back. And I said, well, I own it. So if the goal was to stop having these conversations to help everybody kind of level up to a baseline, a new baseline, give it away. And so for a while I was giving, you know, I lowered the price and I, but I said, nope, let's just take the copy, stick it on a Google doc, point to it. So if you go to employerbrandbook.com, it takes you straight to that Google doc and it's right there. It's completely open source. You can comment on it. You can argue with me. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can add new citations, whatever it is. It is a completely open source book because the goal is to make everybody just a little smarter about employer brand so that we can get even better. So, you know, a better platform from which we can kind of grow. That's really yeah, the pitch. Nice. That's really the whole idea of what I tried to do. That's, and that's awesome because like, you know, it's, it's, it's great. You, you know, you've it pays paid for itself, which is fantastic. Um, and it was also very reassuring, isn't it? It was great. But, but also I think in particular making it open source is, is great because, you know, ultimately we, we do what we do to make our part of the world that bit different and, and move things on. And, um, it's a bit like when I, I do stuff like this podcast, I think, okay, maybe other people might say, well, I'm reluctant to give away stuff, but no, it's like whether I do it for a client or, or someone else does it, I'm keen to make sure that, you know, various, the relevant people around the world, you know, do things a bit differently to what's usually, usually done before. And that's, that's great. You've done that. Really yeah. And, and, and here's the secret to anybody creating content. And it, I, I, I was dumbfounded when I discovered this and it's, it's a hundred percent real. So, about six months ago, I lowered the price on all the, the you know, the eBooks and the physical books. I said, look, I don't want to make any money on it. I just want to get as many people to have it. So the price is relatively low. But once I put it in open source, my sales increased. And they had, didn't just kind of pop up. They have perpetually been higher than they were when I was not giving this book away. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't, it make, it's completely baffling to me that, I, you know, people buy it. I go, it's right here. It's free. Why would you? Okay, whatever. Um, but there it is. So giving it away really does work. One for the bookshelf, I think, you know, for, especially for what will still remain is, you know, a certain amount of life will be Zoom calls. Maybe yep. they want that, want that spine on their bookshelf. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be nice. That'd be nice to think. That'd be nice to think. So I think, yeah, it's, um, in particular, so I think, okay, the, the podcast is, my podcast is around content marketing. I kind of whacked employer in front of it because I think employer content marketing is, is, is is such a good opportunity for brands and so therefore when i read your your phrase in the book the quote in the book companies are the worst kind of narcissists with huge teams of people devoted to taking on any line of information or inquiry and turning it in, it back to the company's perspective i thought it was absolutely you know spot on so what made you kind of why did you want to go down the route of, of saying brands are are narcissists it, it it's well, first off, it's true. <laughs> I mean, there's a great cartoon out there where they show a human brain where they say, okay, here's the section that's thinking about 
you know, eat too much email and here's a section that's thinking about sex and here's the function that's thinking about, oh, the bills I gotta pay. And the brander goes, where's the section devoted to our brand? And the answer is that's how most branders walk in the door. Let's figure out who's already thinking about our brand like 24 seven, you know, whether it's candy bars or, or, or cars, it doesn't matter. So they're already thinking about it. It's like, no, oh, I'm real busy. I got a whole, my brain is filled with all sorts of worries and nonsense and junk I gotta do and my job and my daughter and my wife and my house and my taxes and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. There is no room whatsoever for your brand, for it just to kind of be sitting there percolating going, I can't, you know, doing like, mentally it's doing the rumba. It's kind of thinking, oh yeah, we're just waiting here yes. to talk about pickles, yes. right? What is like, no. The answer is there's the, the time I think about pickles is when I'm standing in a grocery store, assuming I actually do that anymore. Cause by the way, I don't, cause it just comes yeah. to me, it's ordered. And I go, which brand of pickles do I want? And that's the split second, which I spent mental capacity thinking about pickles to which your brand had already better work or it doesn't. And it doesn't matter. Cause right yeah. now that's all that matters. That it's that, mo you know, the, Google calls it the zero moment of, 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 you know, of, of thought or consideration or whatever. Um, and that's what it is. And the truth is, employer and not just employer brands, but all brands are narcissists because they assume everybody's thinking about them and it's not true. Now, if they realize it's not true and they, and in their deep, dark, bitter, bitter, cynical hearts, they know it's not true, but they don't get paid that way. They get paid by saying, okay, let's talk about the 20,000 people who already think about our pickles and say, how do we get 25,000 to think about our pickles or we'll get those 20,000 to think about our pickles more. And that's, you know, that is a, it's, it's an approach. It's a way of doing, but it's structured around the KPIs and the, you know, the the way we measure and value what branders do, and it's not strictly appropriate. It's not strictly true. And as we move from consumer marketing and pickles to the business that makes the pickles, who are trying to hire people who make pickles, and why I picked pickles. Now I've wandered into a weird metaphor and a weird kind of illustration. I'm, I'm going to have pickles tonight, definitely. I, well, you know, and that's really what it's all about. And ultimately, right, in most marketing and advertising is how many times can I say the word pickles to make you say pickles? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, it's just now it's just coming off the tongue funny. It's like pickles, pickles. Um, when it comes to employer brand, there's a shift that happens and it shift is very simple. It's this idea that if I'm a marketer or a brander, I have to go to volume. I have to say as many times possible, pickle, 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 to get as many people to go, oh, maybe I should have pickles with lunch or whatever. And that's my game. That's the whole game. It's a question of quantity, not quality. And when you move to employer brand and to me, employer brand and consumer, I'm sorry, content marketing go hand in hand, hand in glove. They are married from way, way back. They are spawns of each other and have always been. You can't kind of separate them. It's this idea of it's not quantity, it's quality. Yeah. Right, the concept of, of of who you hire is not about how do I get a million resumes. It's how do I get one perfect candidate and everything else is wasted noise. Content marketing takes the same approach. It's not about getting everybody to watch my video. It's about getting the thirty people who might buy my product to watch the video to present a compelling reason of why this this video might make their life a little better. That's yeah. their game. And when you take that away and talk about more, suddenly it's about how big a drum can I get that says pickles, and how often can I bang that drum pickle 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 that's the problem is we're stealing bad lessons from consumer marketing and saying oh they must apply because it's all called branding it's all called marketing it's all called advertising and it's not it's on the it's built on a different foundation very true actually not even like i listen to see what facebook say and other you know other platforms about okay so you know because the first three seconds are really important then it's you get the 
we get the logo in there. I kind of think mm -hmm. they say that because they want just want advertisers' money, you know. So yeah. it's like, well, no. Oh, actually, and and P.S. It's because Facebook does measure a view as the first three seconds, and consequently, if you show the view, if you're going to pay for that view, well, you better put a logo there because three yes. seconds was all you got. Exactly, but we know what keeps people's sparks people interest is that mm -hmm. stuff that is intertwined with their life. You talk about you know competitors and it being all sorts of things. I can't remember if we did it in our green room chat or it's on the recording, yeah. but. But life is the competitor. I, I've over the years, I've often, well, a good few years ago, I used to share, put, have a slide of a cat um, hanging in some blinds on a mm -hmm. window, you know, because that's hilarious. And that was like up against, you know, other content that I was looking at in my news. Yeah. So yeah. life gets, life is your competitor. Life gets. Yeah. Competitor. And Facebook is a great example of that. You, you know, we think, oh, I'm going to go on Facebook and connect with all these people. It's like, I'm going to tell you right now, all those people, aren't there for your brand. They're there for cat pictures. They're there for pictures of their friend's daughter. They're there for pictures of from 10 years ago back when they were less chubby. They're there from, they are not there for you. You are interrupting them in the worst possible way. They're having a personal moment on this piece of content and there you go saying pickles and you're like, get past that. And that's the problem is where, you know, so much of marketing is, is, is a race to the bottom of how fast can I yell at you and scream at you? Uh, there was a guy in New York, New Jersey, where I kind of grew up a long time ago named Crazy Eddie. So if you're British, you don't get this reference, but let me explain. Okay. And it, when I explain it, you're going to go, he's full of it. He's lying. He's not, I'm not. Go to YouTube and find it. Crazy Eddie, E-D-D-I-E. He sold VCRs and car radios and stereos and TVs. And he, his commercials were literally just him shouting for 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, this thing with Ah, and his, his commercials went, our prices are so low, it's insane. And he would literally get up in the camera and do one of these things. You're going, that is the, what marketing thinks it wants to be. Shouty, yeah. yelly, demanding your attention without any kind of clear reason why, focusing on how many times can we pound that message down your throat, focusing on how much time we can scream and get your attention. And we're going to assume brand awareness equals to positive brand awareness. It's just a clue. It's all the same. Yeah. Now, the fact that he was fairly successful at that, it should belies kind of how, how, power, how messy that was. But... That's really what it is. Hey, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these social channels saying, make your messages smaller, make them five seconds, make them four seconds, make them three seconds. Why? Because that's how long you would pay attention to it. It's like, well, you know what? That's funny you say that because I'll watch a Star Wars movie for like two and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. And I won't even touch my phone. So tell me yeah. how it's, tell me how I only have a, an attention span of three seconds. The mm -hmm. trick is you're assuming that all messages are the same, i.e. boring, dumb, useless, not necessary, and replacing it with, okay, well, if we can't get quality, let's just focus on how quickly can we jam it in your throat. Yeah. At the same time, we, and I'm talking to a mostly British audience, that commercial of the gorilla drumming to Phil Collins I've watched that thing 30 times. I'm never going to buy one of those things. It's just like, it's just such an epic. It's so engaging. And what the hell's going on? And where is this going? And why is this gorilla thing? It's, it's, it's teasing you. It's, it's creating drama. It's creating anticipation. It does what a Shakespearean play does. It does what Star Wars does. It does what a rom-com on Netflix does. It creates, it's, it's true content and it's entertaining, engaging, attractive, all that good stuff. And I'll watch that. It, and that's not even a 30-second commercial. That's a full-minute video. Yeah. That's good marketing. You're saying something. You've engaged me. I don't feel like I've wasted my time having read it and watched it. I've learned something. I've, I've created some brand awareness. It's good. This is what you want to do instead of how quickly can I just jam it in your face. Hmm. Why, why, do, why is that that default to jamming, jamming it in people's faces? Because it's so much easier to measure. 
X number of impressions, X number of views, X number of clicks, X number of video views. That is a met because advertising more so than marketing, but not completely dissimilar. It's so metrics driven. It's about how much can we trick people to watching this video. And frankly, if you have to trick me into watching your video, we are already off on the wrong foot. Yeah, we're already just for the report, isn't it? Just yeah. for the report. That's it. Yeah. And then honestly, I love this idea that we know we have to hit somebody, you know, from a consumer market side, we know we have to hit people like seven, eight, 10 times before they even remember the video. So the answer is take the same video and hit them again and again and again. Instead of saying, take the same idea, tell it 10 different ways. Yeah. We know we have to hit them 10 times. So even if they only hit five, they're going to go, oh, that's it. Wait, something's happening here. You're hitting them on a different level. I don't understand why we don't do that. Um, and that's the problem is that it's so metric driven and so, you know, and, and let's, be perfectly blunt and so agency driven who are there to to spend your money and it's cheaper for them to spend your money to make one ad and push it to a million different places than it is to make a million ads and push it to one person who will guarantee that sale yeah. they just don't think that way they think in kind of laws of scale and mm -hmm. that's going to justify and think through that kind of mentality and then you have massive architectures of Facebooks and LinkedIn's and all these other places that are built around that expectation of one ad said to a million people, okay, how do I take my slice of that pie? How do I take my piece? So it becomes a structure dependent on how much can you yell? And the funny thing is every time someone breaks that model and comes in it from somewhat orthogonally and said, okay, I'm coming in from a very different direction, telling a different story. Even if they don't spend money, you, everybody remembers the Harry Shaving Club commercial. Everybody knows that one. They spent no money on that thing. They didn't spend money to promote that thing. They came in it from a different angle. They didn't say, how do I make a commercial and get it to a million people? They said, how do we make a commercial so interesting that a million people would want to watch it? And they went. That is where the really interesting parts of content marketing, employer brand marketing, all that stuff is happening. It's on the edges where people are going, I can't spend a million dollars. I can't buy a Super Bowl ad. I can't shout to the rooftops to a million different people. So I have to come and find creative ways to hit these people in various different ways. And the trick is it's easy to do if you are willing to be interesting. And that is where things get scary because being interesting means being, it means being different. And if there's anything less scary than being different, I mean, it's every, I mean, it's everything, people terrified of being different. Like, I love this line somebody said, I think it was, a, I can't remember who it said, this idea of everybody wants to be unique, but no one wants to be different. Yeah. If you can't riddle that out, go ahead. I guess your only choice is to spend money because that's the only way you could be different. You're going to try and outspend and outshout your opponents. If you can be yeah, different yeah. in a way that people go, oh, that's interesting, you're in. Yeah, actually, we, we, we mentioned this just in our, in our green room chat is that, is that everything you're saying, I think for me, the phrase I've said, and I mentioned actually in a conference um, um, recently, was um, this thing about um, audience isn't, isn't found, it's created. You know, yeah. I've seen time and time again, the brief about the target audience is like, well, hang on a minute, you know, that, that even that term audience is kind of, is, is steep back in, in history when actually we didn't even have maybe remote control. Maybe that's as far back as we're going. Yeah. They're actually, they're ready and waiting to hear, you know, to hear from you. And I think, I think, and I, I love what you, when you're talking about consumer against employer um, branding, it's like, it's, it's the challenge is even more because to be employer of choice, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know, a passive job seeker that even suggests that even might be considering a job Aren't mm -hmm. the best people, the ones that are fully invested in their, you know, in, yeah. Oh, hello darling. You're right. Do you want to come and say hello to my, my work friend? 
and then say goodbye. This is James. Say hi to James. Oh, hello. What's your name? Um, no, it's Eva. Your name's Eva. Eva? Hello. Hello. Okay, let's go and get some cheaper peas. Actually, going back to the three seconds thing, um, Eva, she's only, well, she's going to be three next week, and she skips ads already on YouTube. Yeah. You know, she's, she has no patience whatsoever, you know, nope. for uh, for, um, for stuff that's not relevant to her, what she craves, you know. Yeah, even Google knows that no one wants those ads to the point where they actually track the number of people who hit skip and qualify the hitting of the skip button as an engagement, which is so sad, so sad. So if you look at like laundry detergents, and I don't know the name brands over there, but the name brands here, who cares? They're all the same. And none of the commercials say, our soap will make your clothes dirtier. Yeah. They all say the same thing. We will make your clothes cleaner. How one differentiates between brands, I have no idea at all, other than you just, I think you just become acclimated to the color of the bottle as you grab it off the shelf. I was going to say colors, actually, absolutely, yeah. Definitely. It's it. Are you a blue bottle? Are you an orange bottle? Are you a red bottle? Who are you? And, you know, honestly, I can tell you, I know exactly what the shape of the bottle that's orange looks like that I grab, but I couldn't tell you what the name on the front is. So that should yeah. tell you a lot right there. Now, that sounds crazy, and yet somehow that's exactly how certain companies who will remain nameless because they have more money than I do, do mil hundreds of millions of ad spends every year to get you to buy the orange bottle instead of the red bottle. Now, take that thinking and how crazy it is and apply it to employer brand, and you get the same message. It's called, we're a great place to work. No one says we're a bad place to work. Okay, so that should be kind of like baseline stakes, except obviously we've all worked in places where it's like, this is a horrible place to work. How did we end up here? So mm -hmm. saying we're a great place to work, sadly, is enough of a interesting thing to say that everybody seems to say it. And frankly, everybody does say it. The trick is that's a phrase that's only half a phrase because we're a great place to work doesn't finish the sentence of for whom. For whom is this a great place to work? Everybody yeah. knows people who want to work at that that crazy startup where everything's, you know, they get lots of chances, they wear lots of hats, and everything's go, 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 and crazy. They might get a huge reward at the end of the IPO and yada, yada, yada. And everybody thinks that's an amazing place to work. Yeah, for crazy younger people who have less risk to worry about and don't have families to, and who can take those gambles and who have that kind of time, they can say, no, I'm going to dedicate 20 hours a day to this thing. I don't have to worry about my daughter growing up without a father sort of situation. That is a great place to work. But we pretend that that is the great place to work. And then yeah, investment the firms. Employer work. Choice. The employer of choice for who? Yeah. For whom? And that's the thing is you can tack on for whom to most employer brand messages and make you, and that's when you realize this is not a complete thought. This is this is a this is a tagline meaning nothing. And so the people who are really successful at your place, who are they? And that's where you get back to this idea of the audience is created, not discovered, because they're not sitting around waiting for you to tell them, hey, I have jobs. They know you have jobs. Yeah. You could hide the apply button on two-thirds of companies' websites, and people would still find ways to apply. It's not that they don't know how to apply. It's not that the apply process is too long and complicated. We've made it so it's two clicks and you're done. That doesn't matter. What matters is why. What matters is why am I going to be successful here? And that's the thing, and I tell recruiters this all the time. I said, for all the candidate journey stuff we talk about, 
at the very last moment, that moment where you slide the virtual offer across the, the table, the virtual table with the virtual pen and the virtual number on the face piece of paper, which is the most important thing. Yeah. That's the moment when you think this is a yay or nay moment. You think all you have to do is make sure the number is big enough, right? That, that, that's everybody's thought process is that number big enough. And what they don't realize is on the other side of that table, the question that person really has is not, is this number big enough? It, frankly, it is, but only because we've distilled it to that, which is sad. The real question on their mind is, does this make my life better? Does more money make my life better? Yeah, but you have to spend twice as much time at work. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, maybe it is. Maybe this number is not the end all be all of this thing. How does it make my life better? And I think most recruiters stop kind of selling, if that we can take the pejorativeness out of that term, and they you know stop pitching and explaining and defining and shaping and influencing. They stop because they said the piece of paper is all that matters and the number is all that matters. No, no, what matters is the answer to the question of how does this make my life better. For many people, many people, many smart, talented, engaged people, they will work in a nonprofit and take less money because choosing that solution makes their life better in the following ways. And how do they know? Because the recruiter pitched them on those ideas. Mm -hmm. So recruiters need to be about, look, it's not about what you think, it's not about the number you put together, it's about them. It's about what is, how does this make their life better? And recruiters yeah. are, are the, and, and I don't mean to step on recruiters because I love them, it's that it's easy to forget that step at the very end. And if you can't nail that down, don't bother. Mm. Well, actually, it's, it's like, I can't remember, it's a professional services firm. You had the um, graduates, um, in the Goldman. UK, um, doing a, a slide deck presentation about the hours that they worked and mm -hmm. and and said, uh, if we could do eighty hours a week, that would be lovely. Thank you. Which yeah, is a, yeah, it's crazy. Eighty hours is even unfathomable. But but yeah. their answer was to pay more. Yeah, that was the answer. So that's actually kind of absolutely spot on because that Goldman Sachs that and that transactional approach to things. Yeah, and then then let's be fair. They're a company for whom transactional is the answer to everything. And I, I remember when that, that, new, that story hit and everybody in my industry kind of went, oh, that's going to really screw up their employer brand. And I feel like the only person going, no, it's proved their employer brand. No one went, I'm going to go work at Goldman Sachs to save the whales. I'm going to go work at Goldman Sachs because the work-life balance is so gosh darn great. I'm going to go work at Goldman Sachs because it's going to make me feel good as a human being. No, what each and every one of those employees and applicants and candidates thought was, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to never fly coach again. I'm going to be a multi independently wealthy by the time I'm 40. That is all they thought because that's the pitch that Goldman Sachs gives out. And for people who are measured purely on money and let's, let's call it 10% of us. Great. I don't begrudge anybody making money as much money as they can, unless they try to use it to make a rocket to get the hell out of this planet, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and there, but for the 90% of us who go, we balance that money number with other factors. That's not a great place to work. All Goldman Sachs did was saying, that's who we are. We're pretty clear about it. If you go to their website, everybody's wearing really nice suits. Everybody's wearing really expensive watches. That's not an accident. That's their signal to say, we're here for the money. We're not here to save the world. We're not here to make people's lives better. We're here to make ourselves some piles of cash, yay or nay. And that's what it's about. And for 99.9% .9 of the businesses, that's not what it's about. That's good. That means, okay, great. What are you about then? So yeah. to me, it's like those those things that seem like you know like negative indicators. I'm like, no, it's 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 proving, it's validation, it's this is really what this company's all about. Make no mistake. And every one of those graduate students who walked in, they knew they were working 80, 90, 100 hours a day. They're just hoping they can kind of band together and squeeze a little more. Which, frankly, good for them.
but hey, whatever. Yeah, no, yeah, really interesting. It's um, so if I so you're saying that you know brands, you know brands are have a big element of narcissism about them, and okay, if we're to think about, if we're to say that you know, which is true, audiences are there to be created, not to be found. Um, in your kind of view and what you've seen and the conversations you've had, you know, what what does a brand need to do to be a little less narcissistic? Uh, I mean, step one is to understand why people would engage with you. What What is the problem? I mean, yes, we all know at a base level, if what, whatever we're selling, it solves some sort of problem and we just want to get people to get it. The problem is, is that we've stolen all the transactional thinking from marketing and applied it to employer brand, a place where relationships matter infinitely more than the transaction. In fact, the transaction, don't, it, like the best car salespeople in the world are the ones who say, I'm not thinking about this sale, I'm thinking about the car I sell them after this car. And that is a relationship kind of thought, which is exactly what you want every one of your vendors to be, but most of them are here to say, how do I hit my quarterly quota? And I get where that pressure comes from and where that thinking is. I don't, you know, I don't think they're bad people because they're just close the deal. The structure, the architecture, the system drives them to that. In recruiting, it is about the relationship because if I don't treat you well, you're gonna tell all your friends and I have now poisoned the well. And that is really what it's about. And I, you know, uh, Shane Gray really kind of, he smacked me in the head with this one once. He goes, look, the trick is you're getting 100 people to apply purely for the sake of disappointing 99 of them. What business on earth survives that way? What business on earth survives that? And that is, that's a good number for recruiting. That's a good number because I've seen two, 300 people apply to jobs and go, well, there's 299 people are going to walk away pissed off. Yeah. Um, you begged them to apply. You, asked, you, you pleaded with them to apply and they gave you their personal information. They, you sent them a freaking form letter to say thanks, but no thanks. Guess what? They're never coming back. And recruiting has lived for so long in a world where there was always more fish in the sea, but that's not the case anymore because even if there are, those fish talk to each other and you are burning your relationships. And I think to some level, that's a little bit why a lot of recruiters move, you know, the, you know, hop job jobs because they say, okay, brand new pool of people who don't know me here, I can kind of redo it. And, yeah. and those old school ways of thinking by I have the job, I have the power are dead. And it is about the best recruiters I know are the ones who build relationships, who know it's not about the sale today. It's about the sale after the sale, after the sale. It's about the people they know who can help loop them in. It is a very different kind of marketing and selling, but we try to apply old school model to that and it doesn't work anymore. So that's the narcissism is the context and systemic pressure inside the business. This is just get my quotas, hit my numbers, do my thing. I need and the business still thinks it needs 100 applicants for every job, even though it really only needs to hire the one. But they don't know, so they just go, just keep doing it bigger, louder, more faster. And there's a time to hire as well, which is often a oh. big metric, isn't it? Which is, you know, we've got to get these people as soon as possible. But, yeah. you know, ultimately, I remember having a conversation with a client about it recently. It's like, we're just putting off the pain. We're putting off the pain and the cost yep. until someone is not right for the organization they've joined and decide to leave. Yeah. So that's costly in terms yep. of reputation. It's costly in terms of reputation that spreads over to other people. But it's also costly in just the thing of having to re-recruit for that role, but also the impact it has on clients and customers. Yep. You know, so yeah. there's a whole lot of cost there. So somehow we've got to try and try and bring that that effort a bit further forward so that the right stories are being shared, but, but yep. also the right opinions are being discussed so that when someone sees that that content, they're going 
yeah, that's a bit of me. You know, I, yeah. I, absolutely, I, I agree with that, and I've learned something, um, yeah. or I've, I've, I've got an affinity with that because the same things happened to me as well. And you can take the, that are far farther up the chain too. You can say for all the stories I hear about people who say they wouldn't give me a five percent raise, so I quit, and they brought in somebody who was fifteen percent more expensive. Not only is there a gap, but they're now the cost to refill is much higher. And that is a really sadly common story. And that is a function of, and this is where I get in my weird high horse, businesses who say people are their most important asset are lying. What they're saying, what they should be saying is without people, we have no business. What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. And until a business truly accepts that those people they hire are not cost centers, regardless of their job title, regardless of their position, regardless of their team, they are not cost centers. Each and every one of them is a value provider. What is the cost of that? What is the, 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 the purchase price of that value? What is the end result of that value? What is the cost of not getting that value? What is the replacement cost on that value? Until a business can really approach talent the same way they approach the machinery on a factory line or the software that builds their thing, we're always going to be behind the eight ball and businesses. And like, look, the whole, it trickles down to the point where think of the last time you went through an interview process. It's incredibly confrontational. Here am I presenting my perfectly polished resume, which only has positive things to say about me. I don't notice. I don't point out the places where I got fired or the places I got reprimanded. Please notice it's only a perfectly glorious, glossy thing. And the recruiter is going, I think you're full of shit. I think you're lying. Get me out of my way. Let me see what's going on. And my job is to say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to dance until you never. I, it's a kabuki theater, but it's all confrontational. It's filled with, I don't believe you, everything. And it, that goes both ways. When the recruiter says, this is a great place to work, the candidate goes, you're full of it. When the recruiter says, we're very very collaborative and friendly here. He goes, I don't believe it. Let me see proof. Everybody's lying at the end of that process. We're all going to hug and become one team. Huh? How the hell does that happen? That's, yeah. I mean, it starts from this idea that people and businesses are in so many levels, not connected at the right levels, not connected in ways that suit each other when they could be. And that's the problem. And it all just kind of trickles up and down from that. Hmm. Nice. Cool. I think that's. I know you've got your heading off soon, aren't you? But is, is there anything else you um wanted to add at all? Any any other thoughts that have come up come up from you know, the, so much of employer branding is being human, and I think there is a a larger kind of zeitgeist shift in marketing between Seth Godin and you know people starting to figure out what Tom Peters meant when he was yelling about these last fifty years. Um, you've got. Uh, uh, oh God, I'm going to butcher his name. Louis uh, Grenier, uh, you know, doing Everybody Hates Marketing Podcast. There's so much about, it's not about the machinery. It's not about the tactics. It's not about the tools. It's not about the, 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 the hacks and tricks and shortcuts. It's about the people. And that sounds fluffy bunny. That sounds kumbaya. That sounds like everybody hug each other and we're all going to be happy friends together. It's not. I'm going to spend a third of my life plus at this business, at this job, it's got to mean something to me. I'm not a cog. I'm a person. I have feelings. I have thoughts. And you're seeing all this stuff about bring your whole self to work and be authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think that's complicated and messy. And I think that hasn't been sorted out yet. But marketing is really about building relationships more than anything else. It's about saying, how do I help this audience I'm choosing to serve in a way that they appreciate and value? And once you connect to that, it doesn't matter what kind of marketing you're doing. That's what it is. Now, for me, and I'm guessing for you, Chris, it, that starts by telling a good story. There's so much power in telling that story about this is what we mean by relationships. And it's not just about 
talk to these five people and they'll give you positive testimonials about the blah, 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 blah. It's mm -hmm. about when I walk into the door, what do people say about me? What do people, it's not, and that's, that's yeah, reputation management, yada, yada, yada. Um, it, Seth Godin does a, a shtick, which, and I, I adore Seth and I, we have the same barber. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, he did this thing where he was presenting at a large university, very prestigious university graduate program. Uh, no, sorry, it was, it was a big hedge fund graduate program. And he said, okay, look, everybody, let's play a game. You've been selected to run a project. It's a Skunk Works project, but it's gonna change the nature of finance for the next decade. You will have unlimited resources and capacity and capabilities to kind of do all this stuff. But I need you right now to pick your team and I need you to pick three people from around this room who you want to be on your team. And there's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe. And everybody gets nervous and he goes, no, 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 hold on. You won't ever have to show the piece of paper to anybody. Write down three other names of people you want on your team and people get to it. And he goes, okay, how many people are nervous that they are not on anybody else's team, that they never got picked? And it's this idea of we have been running through getting good grades, getting good resumes, getting good referrals, getting, we're checking these boxes. But in the end, if people don't want to work with us because we are not human, what does it matter? If people aren't selecting us, if people don't say, if people don't look at you and say, you have a certain kind of value you bring and I love that you bring that value and that passion and that I like hanging around with you because together we're going to solve and change and whatever that good thing is. If mm. you don't have that thing, everything else is a mess and you take that idea and you apply it to recruiting and employer branding you realize we are doing it all wrong we have been focused on checking the boxes do they have this six to eight years of experience doing the thing do they have that college degree do they have but 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 and the answer is do they want to take a journey with you do you want to sit next to them while you take that journey together because until you do that the journey is never going to happen and until we start to figure that out and start to reapply that back into our marketing and our branding and all that stuff, we're going to be refighting these fights over and over and over again. And that's sad because there are better jobs for everybody, assuming they find the right the, the right company for them. It's true. It's, yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, it's not. Can't be too much to ask that more people in the world work in jobs that they, you know, really enjoy. You know, it's um. So, but that's yeah. That's that's down to the. Harder work done by the people who are marketing it to those, yeah. you know, people are happy what they're doing, but might move if, if if they see the people that think like them, perhaps, or who get them thinking in a different way. I, I think the stories piece is, you know, is interesting, but it's also kind of, it is, I think, messed around with the whole marketing angle, going back to the thing yeah. about get the logo in there, make sure we're, you know, re repeating pickles. See, I remember pickles, it worked. Yeah. Um, you know, men mention pickles, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's... It's not about that really it's, it's just about it's just about listening to someone's story that actually you can resonate with or you can aspire to mm -hmm. you know but then also also it's i think just i call it lights camera action content or no day is the same content it's like yep. in a way kind of let marketing needs to kind of get out get out of the way i say in quotes get out of the way but it's like it's i've known people who have been very nervous about so oh, i don't do videos or i, I don't do podcasts but yep you ask them the right questions and just let them chat. Then they know so much. They so so much I love that moment. I love that moment. So much knowledge and that really know what they do. And I think in particular, when it comes to getting employees to talk that way, they realize they're really good at what they do and they have others yeah. telling them that as well. Yes. And that for me is a, about employees not being just advocates 
and just use mm-hmm. them for their free reach. Mm-hmm. Just use them as creators. <laughs> yes. When you get them involved in that way, then they share the content as opposed to, can you share yeah. this employer brand message, please? You want a business filled with leaders. And that doesn't mean you know all the all yeah. chiefs know you know whatever. It's it's about saying people who and leaders is about saying when you don't know what to do, are you willing to stand up and say this is what I think we should do, or are you just going to sit there and wait for it to be told what to do? And you want a business of people who can stand up and say, look, I understand the direction, I understand the strategy, I understand our north star, I understand our culture, and based on all that, based on who I am, what the situation is, we go this way. Mm-hmm. You want every single person on your staff to be that way. And they can't be that way if they're simply there to fill to, to fill the seat, to be the cog, to be told what to do. And to find people who want to engage with you on that level means finding people who want to be on that journey with you, which means learning about the person and not about the resume. Exactly, awesome. Well, thanks very much, James, really appreciate it. Um, I know you've got some uh, meetings crack on to now, but yeah, thanks very much. Um, I will definitely be having pickles tonight, that's for sure. I I both apologize and you're welcome. I don't know how to respond to that, but yes, there's that. No, it's been great. Thank Chris for having me on. Thanks very much. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed what you heard, then please feel free to subscribe. And it would be awesome if you could leave a review as well. It really does help.